Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. Today on the Ether, osmosis updates from the lab. Let's take a listen. Yeah, I guess as people get back into uh, whatever life activities, I feel like things like this are going to happen. Well, whatever. That's part of just contact. I haven't been on a roller coaster for two years, folks. Uh, probably longer. So, um, cool. Well, uh, it's good to be back. We we took we were off for a couple of weeks, and or yeah, you were in ETH uh, CC in in Paris, and a lot going on. Yep, yep, yep. Lots going on. Great talk, by the way. I really, uh, if anybody hasn't had the chance to see it, the the what you're talking about, uh, the future of uh, I guess interchain app chain future was. Uh, very enlightening. I, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, really fun to sort of talk about like app at ETC, talk about uh, app chains and kind of just like, you know, a lot of the cool functionalities you can do with app chains that you can't do with like on, on generalized chains and like kind of like showing examples of how we do you making use of some of them on osmosis. Um, and then the next day was the Nebular Summit uh, where you know, got uh, talked a bit about like osmosis, MEV, and MEV, and like you know, just how osmosis approaches different types of MEV. Um, you know, there's like you know, I think we've talked often a lot of times about like threshold encryption and stuff. So you know, that's a, how we like mitigate as much of the bad MEV as possible. A lot like eliminate front running uh, when when you know no one can read at other people's transactions in the mempool can't really front run them but you know there exists like other types of MEV other than that as well right so you have like um, you know acts you know once like something like mars is on chain you know you can have like liquidations for example and that's something you want to be able to do or there's all, the biggest thing is just like cross like is arbitrage, right? So like, you know, prices change on external markets, whether it's on like centralized exchanges or other DEXs. Um, and you, you know, or even just, you want to be like the first to arb those, you know, arb prices back to the, you know, global external price or, um, or even if like on the chain, you know, some of the pools are out of, out of sync and there's like a circular arb that can be done being the first to sort of arb that. Um, so, you know, there's like, these like arbitrage and liquidation kind of stuff is like, you know, not, not in, you know, at least we would classify this as like not harmful MEV. It's kind of actually good for the protocol. You know, you want your prices to be in sync. You want, uh, you know, you want liquidations to be happening fast. So, you know, to protect the health of the lending protocols. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, the question is like, how do we like, internalize that MEV opportunity into the protocol. So uh, 
Anatoly had a good tweet like a couple uh, weeks ago where he was like, um, the value of like a L1 blockchain is like the MEV it can capture. And, you know, that, that I've been thinking about that one for a while because I was like, yeah, well, you know, why is like, you know, one of the big selling points of an app chain then is like, currently when you're building an app on an L1, you're basically leaking all of that value uh, to the L1 when instead, you know, you should, you could actually be capturing that uh, in, in the protocol. So, you know, I guess one of the big pushes that we're pushing for right now is like this idea of like, yes, let's mitigate bad MEV, but let's then internalize good MEV. So how can we like take some of, yeah, how, how can we take a lot of this MEV that exists on the chain like and like, you know, have that be captured as protocol revenue. So yeah, that's kind of, I was just saying, like, you know, the talk at Nebula or something was kind of just like introducing that idea. Yeah, I saw that video as well. And also, again, insightful. I I feel like some of the terminology, because we, we have, it was invented for ETH and for a proof of work world is like, my, there might be some adapting here just because we don't really use the term minor um, that often. I, I think people get it, but, you know, this is like validator ex, extracted value or like you said, proposer. I don't know. Is it, could you maybe give a, um, uh, a, a bit of a, like a breakdown of what MEV is for people who may not be familiar? Mm-hmm. So MEV is, um, you know, it stands for minor extractable value or, uh, you know, I, I prefer like proposer extractable value. And how we would define it is it's the, it's basically the value that can be extracted through the powers of the block proposer. And like currently the, there's a number of things that the block, the proposer of a specific block has, you know, sort of full control over. So they get to choose, for example, today, well, they get to choose things like, um, you know, uh, whose votes get included in the block and stuff. Let's ignore that for now. We're focused on like transaction layer stuff. So what are the things they can do? They can choose what goes into a block and they can choose what order it goes into a block. So they have this ability to do basically control both inclusion and ordering. and. The idea is like by controlling inclusion and ordering, they have like all these like abilities to do certain things. So like, you know, one of them is like sandwich attacks, right? So sandwich is, you know, when you make a trade, um, you know, someone can make their trade. uh, Let's say you're going to buy like a certain amount of Osmo on the market. Uh, Well, what someone could do to sandwich you is they could, you know, place a trade right before you to buy Osmo, then put your trade, and then they sell Osmo right after you. So they basically get to like, you know, they can make you get a bad price. And so this is why we have like slippage bounds and everything on on the blockchain. But, you know, these slippage bounds, you know, you have to, someone can get sandwiched up to the slippage bounds. If you set like 1% slippage, then you have the ability to basically be like, you know, there's, the MEV opportunity mean is that like the, the proposer can like specifically place the transaction in such a way that they can extract that like 1% of your trade value. Uh, from mm. 
that's a that's a pretty clear visualization that the slippage doesn't just go off into the ether or whatever into nowhere. It goes into yeah. the proposer's pocket. Exactly. Um, so this is like an example of you know I would call this an example of bad MEV, like this like front running and sandwiching. So you know this kind of gets solved with things like threshold encryption. So the idea is you want to make sure that everything in the mempool is fully encrypted, so no one can sort of read if no one can read your transaction no one knows what so to, to do this sort of sandwich attack someone has to be able to read your transaction and then make the, the proposal has to read your transaction and then be able to place you know their transaction right before yours and right after yours so this is like a transaction ordering sort of abuse but if no one can read the transactions they kind of lose the ability to do that so we solve we solve a large class of like mev by doing that but then there's also like, you know, another example would be like of MEV would be like the liquidation. So liquidations are like, you know, the protocol is like, you know, the price of Osmo is going down. People took it on leverage or something. And you need to be able to liquidate people's uh, CDPs in a lending protocol. And so to do that, uh, someone has to actually trigger the liquidation. And usually there's like a reward given to whoever triggers the liquidation because you, you know you want an incentive for you know someone to be uh triggering triggering liquidations and so you know there's often a big fight like you know battle to be oh who's going to be the one to trigger the liquidation and so the protocol should basically say like hey why don't we just like auction off the ability to trigger the liquidation or auction off the first spot in a block where, where people can do all this kind of stuff. And it's not really like front running because it's not, you don't really care. You're not trying to read other people's transactions. You're, it's not, even with threshold encryption, this sort of MEV sort of is still exists. And so the idea is like, how can we make it so instead of the block proposer capturing all of that value and choosing which transaction gets to be the first in the block, why don't we make it so the, you know, the blockchain protocol, the code gets to decide who, you know, we allow an auction to take place on the blockchain that says like, hey, we're going to auction off the right to be the first transaction in the block. So instead of all the revenue going to just the block proposer, it should get sent to like all Osmo stakers, basically. And, you know, so that way, you know, we make sure that the validators are not just capturing it all for themselves, but like actually sharing it with all stakers. Okay, that that makes sense. If you, you bring it back to the the tweet, was it Anatoly? I think you said who was talking about the um, yeah, how if if L one uh, app chains leak value through these sorts of things, and it could they could potentially sort of recirculate it or bring it, bring it back to stakers like that. That part of it definitely makes sense when just, okay. This last, uh, small, whatever, smooth brain question here. Um, what, what, what is, what exactly is a liquidation? Um, a liquidation is like, like a lending. When you have a lending protocol, you have to put down collateral and you have to like, you know, put an excess of collateral so you have to like put down you know a minimum let's say of 150 percent of collateral and in order to bar so let's say you put down 150 dollars worth of osmo um and then you borrow a hundred dollars worth of you know usdc but the problem is that like 
if the value of Osmo dips below the $150, you're sort of considered, um, you know, you've, you've dipped below the minimum collateral ratio. And so someone has to like tell the protocol that and then what the protocol will do, it, it'll take your Osmo and it will sell it in order to uh, recover dollars in order to like pay back the debt of the system. Uh, okay, got you. And so th- this this will be a way for the 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 protocol to to take over that process rather than a block proposer per se. Yeah, either the protocol. Yeah, so th- there's a combination. It's of like you know some things we might uh, have the protocol do automatically. So one of the things that we have in Cosmos chains that aren't in most chains is this like idea of begin blockers and end blockers where the protocol, you know, we can run self-executing code at the beginning of every single block, right? And so this is like, uh, you know, so, you know, if it's very cheap to like, you know, see, oh, what are things that need to be liquidated or see like, hey, what are um, uh, like arbitrage opportunities, for example, you know, we we can actually have that run in the chain by itself. Um, Otherwise, the other option is, you know, some some of these like MEV opportunities are either too expensive to calculate on chain or, you know, so what we'll do is then like say, hey, OK, we'll let off chains like MEV searchers is what they're called to like find these opportunities and let them bid to be the first in the block. So it'll be a combination between like, you know, I would say like application specific MEV, uh, you know, uh, like capture in protocol and then the auction system as well. Okay, that that that, uh, that makes sense. So, yeah, I think that those uh, those talks are they're very helpful to understand what uh, you, y'all have been working on and kind of what your thinking is for the the not too distant future in terms of protocol development. Um, do you have uh, uh, other updates or anything that you you want to uh, share? Um, yeah, so I guess the main big updates. Um, we we are back on full steam ahead on like feature development. So you know, I, I think as people I mentioned in some past spaces, uh, you know, we were kind of taking like a pause for a little bit on new feature development. And had been working a lot on just like a lot of um, work, like you know, improving our test frameworks, restarting the simulator, um, and just improving you know code quality and stuff. So you know, we spent you know about a month and month and a half working on that. Uh, and so you know, we're, we're back in a place where we're pretty happy with like sort of the state of a lot of the code base right now. So kind of have now restarted a lot of the work on you know, new features. So the big one that we're working on right now is uh, TWAPs, so time-rated average price oracles. Um, and that will, you know, be able, so you can basically use the osmosis pools as price oracles for protocols like Mars and Membrane and uh, all these kinds of things. So, so that's sort of like one of the big feature developments that we're working on. Um, and then I'm sure as people may or may not have noticed, but like. Uh, there was like there have been sort of a series of spam attacks against the 
Osmosis blockchain recently. Uh, so one of them, you know, someone's been spamming transactions, which is like fine. But then also there was a situation where someone um, created a lot of gauges uh, trying to make and like uh, distribution gauges to try to make the uh, epoch like time take a little bit longer. I mean, it didn't really have a big effect on the epoch time, right? Like, it, you know, it went up to like, you know, the epoch time only took like seven minutes now. But we, we basically are, you know, want to make sure this doesn't turn into a bigger issue. Uh, and so, you know, this we're, we're planning on making a governance proposal to do a software upgrade sometime, basically, basically next week to add a fee for the creating of uh, gauges. So gauges are like the system that like distributes rewards. So, you know, if, if external incentives, so when you like want to distribute, you know, an external incentive, uh, you create this gauge that then distributes it every day to the, you know, LPs of pools. And so just, just we're going to, I think we're going to plan on just charging like, you know, a 50 Osmo fee or something just to create a gauge. So that way, you know, if someone, if, if, if there's a project or something trying to distribute external incentives, they'll be fine create, you know, paying 50 Osmo to do that. But, you know, just to prevent these sort of spam attacks from happening. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, that's sort of a, a governance, you know, a software upgrade that I imagine will probably happen next week. It's not, you know, we're just trying to keep this upgrade like as minimal as possible. So, you know, we have a lot of other features that are in our like, uh, kind of have been developed, but we're going to just like keep this upgrade just to fix this issue. And then all, a lot of these new features that have been developed, we'll add them in, in a, you know, larger upgrade, probably at the beginning of August. So just a little bit of timeline on some upcoming chain chain upgrades. That makes sense. Is as you're as you're uh, you're all thinking about kind of how you plan to do upgrades in the future. Has has it changed, or, or is it more just that like you're you're dealing with these things just as they come? Um. Yeah. So like, I mean, on, on these like bigger upgrades, you know. We're, we're, we're definitely, you know, this is why we're not trying to like be like, hey, oh, look, we're doing an upgrade next week to solve this small thing. Let's like bring in a bunch of other, you know, let's try to, you know, we have all these like finished features. Let's like add them all into this upgrade as well. Because, you know, we, we, we definitely want to spend more time on like testing everything out, making sure all these features are running on a test net uh, stably for a while and stuff. So, um, yeah, so, you know, all, all these like big, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, our, our approach to like doing upgrades, especially for features, it has definitely changed. Um, this this up and yeah, like I said, this upgrade is just meant to be very small, and just all it does is add a fee for, uh, you know, creating a new gauge. So it's you know, it's, this upgrade is literally like you know, code like actual logic wise, it's like you know, a couple lines of change. Yeah, that that makes sense. Not trying to lump everything in together every time you have a pressing need and i guess I, i'm just calling this out as it is it, it seems that what we're seeing is your um adjustments to the upgrade process in in, in action <laughs> that, yeah. you know that you're doing the testing that's why you're not rushing out or, or you know speeding through the the developments that we're expecting in you know the next month or so yeah which yeah, is great to hear <laughs> yeah like we don't want to be like hey okay let's like you know, we, what we want to do is like have a timeline that we like stick to. 
and that's kind of what happened in the last up you know the the infinite v9 upgrade as well was like you know we had this whole amm refactor that we had this like timeline we wanted to do but then we like we like rushed out a we, we wanted to like get an upgrade out faster in order to add some of the like token factory and cosmwasm support and then it was like oh well let's add you know we have this amm stuff that's sitting there done let's add that in as well but it's like no you know if we're if we're going to do a up you know an upgrade that's faster for like whatever reason like you know don't try to shove things into that right like be like hey okay here's this amm factor you know we were planning on releasing it in like you know a month or a month and a half because we wanted more testing on it don't try to don't try to shove it into a release just because you know just because there is a release that we can put it into like try to stick to the timelines that like we we set out initially yeah i i respect that and i it just to me it's you know good to see that thinking in in practice you know and and also helps to understand it as well cuz we we might have gotten a little bit spoiled with how fast the the cycle of upgrades was was happening over the past year i mean y'all were sprinting a lot so yeah okay well that's um that's certainly a lot i definitely saw uh, many people knocking heads together trying to figure out how to solve these spam the the uh the gauge creation spam attacks um and uh it's good to hear that that you, you are looking for a uh a sort of a globalized solution so that, that'll be good oh one other thing i saw uh i heard there was a little bit of confusion about on like commonwealth and a couple of like different discussion threads was um about like how uh you know around the permissioned cosmwasm contracts so we're going to write this up as well but just to share a little bit here is there so like some people there there seem to be have have been some confusions that like you know let's say for example once the apollo uh safe team like deploys their contracts on, on chain like you know will people have to make a governance proposal every time they want to create a new multi sig and the answer is like no that would be insane uh wh- what so a little how cosmosm works is it it's a little bit different than other uh you know smart contract systems like you know in ethereum so where in cosmosm there's like two steps there's step 1 which is uploading code and step 2 which is instances of a contract and uh, of a specific piece of code and so what is permissioned right now in osmosis cosmosm is the uploading of new code and then when you upload code you actually have the option of setting like you know who can instantiate so there's you know there's sort of two options you can do like hey anyone can instantiate or you can say hey only this like white list of addresses or can instantiate or or you could do hey this can only be a one time instantiation so what that means is like let's say apollo uploads their multi sig contract code it they would up, they would upload it as a anyone can instantiate so that way you know you upload the code one time but people can it's permissionless to then create instances of a multisig so you can go spin up more and more multisigs as much as you want um and so yeah so there was a, yeah so just wanted to clear that up but meanwhile someone like i don't know 
Mars or something, you know, when they upload their code, they might they would probably make it so, hey, okay, this is only a one-time instantiation. So yeah, so you know, I think there was some concerns from some people around like, hey, you know, does it make sense to put this project on osmosis? Because, you know, do we have to like make it doesn't make sense to have a governance proposal every time we need to instantiate something. So just wanted to clear that up that you know that's not that's not how it works. You can upload the code once, but you can have it so it's permissionless uh, uh, instantiation of the code. So we'll have like a proper write-up sort of explaining this out as well. But yeah, just wanted to sort of share that on here as well. No, that's helpful uh, for sure. Uh, and and cause, because we haven't really seen um, the, you know, full powers of uh, Cosmwasm unfurled. Uh, this, is, this is relatively new still that uh i mean we have that people are looking to the ion dao uh as, as one instance of it and then um yeah like you said apollo <clears throat> uh and of course mars so that they were it's imminent but yeah i feel like there's going to be some more education and under, and kind of understanding grappling with like yeah how this works so that'll be helpful um i just saw there was a question that i had that um i wanted to run by you about um these so you, the osmosis has this thing where i just want to see if this is implemented now but as a mechanism or it's coming where it, the, the protocol charges more uh fees for arbitrage cycle transactions um what, what is that mechanism called and what is that um, is, it, is it functioning I don't know. It, it is live and functioning right now. I don't know okay. what the mechanism is called. I don't know That's the okay. name. But basically, yeah, what we look at is like oftentimes people make trade transactions that like have this like loop where like you start you start off with Osmo and then you like trade into Atom and then into USDC and then in, back into Osmo and you end up with more Osmo than you started because there was this like arbitrage opportunity. So, you know, we can basically see, look in our chain and say, look at the transaction, and say, hey, you know, you're doing a trade that where you're, you're, the token you end up with is the same as the token you started with. There's no reason to do that unless you're doing an arbitrage loop. So we might, so we can detect that and say, hey, let's charge a, a higher fee for that. So that that's sort of what what we do right now. Um, and you know, it's honestly not a perfect system to be honest. It's actually pretty easy to bypass that if you wanted to but it's you know a way of it solves it for for our purposes right now at least right and i guess that that's sort of a mm-hmm. uh, temp, a current current solution for until the um the other types of of i guess when you're talking about the good and bad mev are more um kind of integrated in, in, into the protocol where you can have the, the the dex itself doing um some arbitrage or as as you uh, talk to the nebular summit if people haven't seen that we'll post links the the talks from the nebular summit and ecc i well i think they're definitely worth uh worth watching okay well this is uh this has been uh pretty solid uh, return to to form for updates from the lab we have um I think we have some folks here from uh, from the grants program. I'm just taking a look. Uh, is this a good time to to bring on the grants folks? 
Yeah. Um, um, they go ahead and request. I can add them up. Yeah, for those of you uh, who are looking to uh, join us and talk about what you're working on uh, as grantees, I also see Federico's there from uh, his program. Please request to speak. How's it going, Federico? Hey, Kevin. Hey, everyone. All good, you? You know, just trying to stay cool here uh, and doing oh, pretty well with it. <laughs> So uh, a lot of new uh, grants in this, the, the fifth batch and uh, a new website. So you, you guys have some uh, exciting, exciting activity happening. Yeah, definitely. The, so the new website is up and there are definitely a few features that I'd like to highlight. Um, first one is that on our new RFPs page, there is a form at the bottom of the page where anyone can submit a suggestion for a new RFP, which we will review and um, determine whether to add it to the existing list. Um, and then we've got all the new branding and brand assets sorted out, which I think are really cool. And also the Grants dashboard, I think, is one of the core features of the new website. Um, as we designed the website with VectorDAO with the aim of like being able to display the work of grantees and people to be able to find their projects as easily as possible. So on there, you can click on any grant and it will have a description of the grant and links that will take you to what they're building or what they've built. Um, and then, yeah, also worth highlighting our new dashboard on DWORK, where we've, we've invited all grantees to be able to maintain their own space on there, where they can add projects and maintain them as they go between the ones that they still need to complete what they're working on right now, what, what has been completed already as well. Um, and yeah, and so oh, oh, go, go, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I I was just um you said the the new dashboard on you said did you say V work? I was just trying to find where that um is that dashboard on the the website itself. Um, we've added the D work profile to each of the grantees like descriptions on their useful links, but we will definitely add to the website um, a link maybe on the resources page that takes you directly to the DWORK as well. Um, yeah, and there's also a living list of RFPs on DWORK. Um, so, you, so grantees when applying can tell which ones still need to be worked on, which ones have already been completed, and which ones we've already funded and people are working on already. So I'm just I'm just looking at the website here, and is it the links where it says the um, Osmos stats and graphs, or or maybe I'm just not familiar with DWORK with what that is or analytics? Yeah, no. So if you go on the grant recipients page, 
and you click on any one of the grants, there mm-hmm. is a link to their DWORK profile on there. Ah, okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, I have to say that the the um, the the mobile version of the app is surprisingly facile and de- and quick and very easy to navigate through. Like I, I you know, I am impressed with the. Um, with how well it works on, on a phone. <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and okay. Just for those of us who aren't familiar, what is D work? It's, it's a project management platform specifically built for like crypto projects. So that there's a bunch of different features, which, um, will be added shortly, but, Right now, how the grants program has been using it is just um, for grantees to like show the community what they've been working on, and yeah, because we we often receive questions about you know what what is the progress of a specific grant, and this is a great way for grantees to communicate um, what they've been working on and what stage of completion there are yeah that this definitely helps with the transparency I, I had to click through a few recipients but i found one on stake tax or at least a mobile you can uh you can look at their dwork profile and it is just as you said it's a dashboard that shows the progress so far on their um what they're working on which it's it is nice to have that to be able to see it, into it i mean that the open auditable aspect of it um, is uh, yeah very very helpful to to know kind of what's what's being done where they're at that they're they're not just some kind of opaque you know the money just disappeared or something so that that's cool great so I think you uh, um, we've invited a, a number of folks on today to talk about what they're working on I see uh, um, Kato Money is here I hope I'm saying that right is it Cato or Cato, um, love to have you come on and abo- come aboard and, and talk about what you're working on with your with your grant. Hey everyone, yeah, you had it uh, correct the first time, Cato. Got it, Cato. Welcome. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Good to see you, Federico and Sonny, and nice to meet you, Kevin. Likewise. So, uh, so what's on? Uh, what's been on your uh, on your desk? <laughs> Yeah, what's cooking? So we are working on a fiat on-ramp as well as off-ramp to Osmosis, effectively using the Axelar Bridge and Axel USDC. Uh, We will be able to enable customers a fiat capability to use their debit card, credit card, ACH in the U.S. here, working on a wire transfer as well uh, so that we can get as much in and out uh, to Osmosis. Well, many of us have been waiting expectantly for that day, uh, and uh, so we're happy to have you, you all know, working on this problem. Yeah, you, we're super uh, excited about it. Maybe maybe it might be helpful to give some context too. You know, we've been talking sure. to Sunny now for almost three months, probably uh, well before uh, the Terra crash. For those that didn't know, we were one of the first on ramps to Terra, the first to get you know native UST. Uh, on-ramp live and a couple of folks in osmosis ecosystem actually were using 
the you know UST on ramp uh, directly you know bridging into osmosis, and yeah, we wanted to make it a little more concrete and finite and uh, solidify you know that that on ramp experience. And obviously, Terra and UST went went how it did and went you know went down, <laughs> right? But um, now looking at Axlar and Axlar USDC and uh, even even Osmo the token itself directly uh, soon enough. Yeah, that that is helpful to know. Um, yeah, I'm curious. Curious, I guess what what are what have been the big, maybe some of the big challenges or one of the main challenges that you've had integrating with Osmosis or anything that you can say to sort of illuminate what what you've been uh, working on. Absolutely. So the uh, Axelar bridge has a bit of a fee associated with it for Ethereum and for Ethereum USDC. That is, there's about a $20 uh, fee per transaction. We wanted to really eliminate that before even launching. You know, we wanted to uh, work around that problem. And what we've done in a pretty short term here is actually get the routing to work through Avalanche. And that takes that fee all the way down from 20 to about a dollar 50 uh, per transaction. So, you know, that being a, a huge, you know, crucial point for the user experience, and um, you know, one that we wanted to make sure was was possible before launching. So, that being said, we're actually pretty pretty close here to having these features live, and we're just in some last audits and some last you know internal testing. And uh, anybody that, that wants to get access sooner than later, sign up, uh, can sign up for our beta uh, right on our website. That's exciting. Uh, website is um, that's listed on your um, Twitter profile. So folks, get on top of it if you want to test run this. Please. Uh, so you, you've, <laughs> I'm going to take the bait. Uh, you, you've hinted at how, that this is perhaps somewhat imminent. Um, is there is there a ballpark timeline that we could toss out? Or? Um, yeah, we are really want to make sure that this you know experience is top notch. You know, we are really trying to work into a new era of on ramps, fiat ramps. You know, we we always say that you know traditional incumbents are like the V one you know kind of ramp, and uh, we're we're really trying to differentiate it as a V two you know fiat ramp, and obviously connecting to Axelar and Osmosis. Um, you know, works towards that narrative, but effectively the, the target, the goal is before Cosmoverse, uh, which is end of September. And between now and then we'll be working with folks to, to again, prove that product market fit and, uh, you know, improve the experience as best as possible. Awesome. That, that is, that's exciting. That, that is definitely soon. And, um, yeah, I, I imagine that for sure, having people getting into the test net here and ironing out as many kinks as possible uh, would be helpful. So please do check out that, um, yeah, the sign up option at Kato's uh, website. Um, is there anything that I'm not asking you about or something, anything else that you would like to talk about with uh, concerning the, your uh, grant project? Actually, one last thing that comes to mind. I noticed you actually liked the comment right before uh, the spaces, you know, started here. But somebody was asking about, you know, uh, where, who, who can use this, you know, what countries, what, what regions, right? Um, you know, we are basically we, we service more of a, a, you know, whitelist than a blacklist. So we have obviously more countries than you know we disallow, 
Um, there's there's a certain number of them that you know banking and, and regulatory uh, don't don't allow, and that's like the OFAC list. You know, certain countries um, are are just you know unable to be serviced, and as much as we'd like to, you know, we we um, have to follow the rules. But ultimately, um, you know, we we have access to over 150 countries uh, globally. And we're working to get, you know, close to 150 different payment methods so that, you know, your local your local credit card, debit card can be charged in your in your local currency. And um, we'll be rolling out more payment methods, you know, as uh, as we scale here. OK, uh, I see. It. Yeah, you're, you're responding to that question that we got before um, before we launched the space is about the uh, country availability. And so what? If if I'm going to feed it back to you, you said that it's basically a 150 country whitelist. There is a blacklist that includes OFAC, which I'm not personally familiar with, but um, probably I don't know some countries that are have really bad reputations. I, I don't know exactly. I'll have to look into that. Yep, exactly. Um, you know, these are countries that you know it's it's not just for crypto, right? It's for you know, a lot of other money transmission services um, that that we just don't have access to. But, um, you know, effectively, more countries than not. Great. Um, yeah, that, that sort of thing makes sense. We're getting into the bigger global, uh, I guess, power structures and go- governance on a whole nother level there. So um, I'm sure I'm I'm sure Sonny has some thoughts about that. Um, or actually I'm not, I have no clue. Um, yeah, but this, this is exciting. I saw, I think it was you, um, uh, from Cato that was talking about how you've been working with visa or some other partners. Um, and, uh, yeah, this just sounds like it is going to be a very broad, uh, as you said, a V2 of, of what on ramps, what they should be. Um, and, um, I'm look, very much looking forward to trying this out and seeing, seeing this available on osmosis. If anybody else does have questions, uh, regarding it, please raise your hand or, or uh, you know, stick around. We would certainly like to hear people's thoughts. Absolutely. And just on that front, you know, one thing that we, you know, really believe in our, our two core pillars, access, being able to buy and sell crypto, and then utility, right? Using crypto in the real world, and being able to, you know, empower actually USDC on Osmosis for real-world payments is a dream come true, right? You know, you can stake, you can earn rewards, and you can go buy your dog food. So, you know, we we really believe, you know, if you invest in digital assets, you should be able to spend them as well. You know, why do we cash out, right? Um, you know, so ultimately, between access and utility. Um, there's there's a lot to unfold still. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sonny uh, often talks about how we dog food uh, protocols, but it's also sometimes good to just get dog food. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes your dog will thank you for that one more than the other. <laughs> absolutely. My, yeah, I don't even have a dog, but I can guarantee you would not care about tooling. <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, this has been. Great, uh, good. I mean, insightful, and and I look forward to uh, 
any news of developments leading up to um, Cosmoverse. And yeah, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having us. And uh, appreciate working with Federico, Sonny, all these guys. Um, yeah, looking forward to the future. Sonny, did you have anything you wanted to ask or add? Um, no, I mean, just excited to see it coming live and uh, excited to use it as well. Yeah, it's been a, it's not that long of a time in coming. I mean, you guys have been moving pretty quickly, but it's definitely a, a big, this is a big step. Sweet. So uh, I see we have, um, we have EcoStake is also here. Uh, if, if you would like to uh, hop aboard, we'd love to um, talk to you as well. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, for sure. Welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll dive straight in. So um, for those of you that don't know, so we're EcoStake and we're behind the Restake tool. So Restake is, it was primarily developed to take advantage of AuthZ. So I'll kind of explain AuthZ first, but AuthZ lets you grant permissions from one wallet to another. So you can technically grant any type of permission, but the the core or the initial version of Restake was allowing you to grant specifically delegate permissions to validators. So it let you grant permission to them to delegate on your behalf, specifically to their own validator. So what that enabled was validators to act on behalf of their, their delegators, they're the people staking with them, to auto-compound their rewards effectively. And we do that just through a single uh, delegate grant. Um, and take advantage of the fact that when you delegate, you also claim your rewards in the same transaction. So we built Restake out um, probably about six months ago. Um, and the very, very first version was literally just the auto compounding features and providing the tooling that validators needed as well to carry out this auto compounding on behalf of their delegators. Um, and it provided a UI for users to go in, see all the validators that supported this, carry out basic wallet functions and importantly delegate this uh, or, or grant this delegate permission to those validators that they wanted to. So that's really worked well. We've got a lot of validators on board across lots of different chains. And another focus that Restake has was providing this across as many Cosmos chains as possible and generally sort of providing an interchain experience um, or, or making the interchain experience as easy as possible for people, making it easy to jump between different networks, delegate, manage your, your delegation and so on. Um, <clears throat> so the, the second version that we kind of put out very recently was to expand that feature set quite a lot more, um, provide a lot more interchain features in general. So particularly governance voting, you can now go in there and you can see all the different proposals and you can vote on those. Um, quite quickly, we wanted to add more AuthZ features because it's far bigger than just auto compounding. You know, there's, there's a huge amount that you can do with AuthZ and there's not much tooling out there at the moment that lets you do that. So quite recently, we've added full grant management. So you can go into Restake and you can grant permissions to any wallet. So thinking for this is that you can go in there and you can grant permissions between your different wallets. Um, you know, personally, I'm using this. I have a hot wallet that I use to do my voting. So from a lot of my other wallets, because I, I manage a few, um, I've granted vote permissions to those other wallets um, to let them do the voting just from a single wallet and not have to jump around lots of different ledgers or whatever. Um, so we've built out Restake now to handle every function on the site and be carried out through AuthZ as well. So you can go in and you could grant 
say, claim rewards uh, permission to a different one of your wallets, and then you can use that other wallet to go in and claim rewards on behalf of all your other wallets. Um, another useful one is claiming validator commission for any validators that are in here. Uh, you can go in and you can do all your validator management from a single hot wallet and avoid having to get your 15 different ledgers out, for example. So we've now got quite a nice platform where you can go in and you can manage all these OC functions. Uh, you can do a lot of interchain stuff. Uh, if OC is supported, because that's the other blocker at the moment, is that not all chains support it, but they're starting to um, to really pick up. But Osmosis has been kind of the core, you know, the, the, the primary project that we've been dealing with that, that supports all of these different features is a joy to work with from an OC point of view. And that's kind of where this, this grant came into play. So what the grant will involve is building out a new core feature to restake. Um, the name is slightly to be confirmed, but it's based around governors. So using the same idea as we have with the, the auto compounding concept, I wanna be able to allow community members, so probably not validators, possibly specifically not validators, to be able to go in and register themselves as a governor. And these governors, a user would be able to go onto the site, see a list of all of the people that have registered themselves as governors and delegate vote permission to them. So conversely, with the auto compounding, you're, you're delegating, you're, you're granting delegate permission. In this case, you'd be granting vote permission to this, uh, this governor. And then these governors will be able to go onto restake, see a list of all of their delegates, um, people who have granted this permission to them, and then carry out a vote on their behalf. So what this is going to mean is that as a delegator, my validator will be the first person who can vote on my behalf, but there'll be another person involved who will be able to go in and vote for me. And the idea is that this will create a whole community of people who don't have to be validators, but might have a very strong opinions or be very involved in, in all these different ecosystems who want to be able to vote on behalf of, of other users. Um, and from a user's point of view, you know, while you might trust your validator to vote on certain things, you know, validators, we, we make our best effort to be able to vote on behalf of our delegators and how our delegators want us to be voting. But there's been a lot of things recently where the vote isn't so technical or, or the proposal isn't such a technical thing, but it's more of a, you know, more of a community thing and how should we be going about doing things and I don't think validators are necessarily always the right people to be doing that so the idea behind governors is to create a whole new class of users that can can be voting on behalf of other people and can create like a, a community around this um, and yeah carry it all out from within restake and the, the important thing with restake is none of this is restake specific this is all just using grants it's all just based around Aussie grants these grants can be created anywhere and technically, the, the validators or the governors could do all of this, this automated um, voting on behalf of other users from any platform. So other wallets can integrate the same concept anywhere they like. Um, so, yeah, that's the core of it. It's a very hard thing to, to describe, um, especially if people aren't so familiar with OZ. So if anyone has any questions or anything like that, um, super happy to answer them. Well, this, this is certainly a, uh, an exciting evolution of the whole realm of governance uh in in proof of stake and with in regards to osmosis as well because it's where we are quite active with the proposals so th thank you for um sinking your teeth into this and 
Hey, I'm curious, uh, Sonny, if you have thoughts about this or how, how this, um, how this came about. Um, yeah, I mean, Auth Z was one of the, you know, I think one of the most powerful features of, uh, Cosmos SDK right now, but it's like in this phase where it's like, you know, it's there, but like, you know, it needs products to be start being built around it. And I think like restake, you know, there's that period for like, you know, three or four months where like IBC existed, but no one was using it until like sort of osmosis came around and like sort of kickstarted IBC. Uh, so I think it's like in that similar phase right now with AuthZ where it's like, okay, it's, it's there, it went live on a bunch of chains, but like, okay, a restake is like sort of the first app that like making heavy use of it. And so, but it's like exciting to see like, okay, what are all the other cool things that we can do with it now as well? Yeah, exactly that. And I don't even know which way this is going to go. Like this, this governance feature, it could have challenges. You know, we're going to have to be careful with people not getting too much vote delegation potentially. Like there's, there's a lot of things that can happen here, but these features are out there. People can do this now. You know, I'm voting on behalf of other wallets. Um, they're my wallets right now, but this, this is possible. And as with restate, as with the auto compounding features, you know, we wanted to put that out there and see how people picked it up. And it's evolved. One of the main things with restake is I'm evolving it all the time. I'm making sure that we're sort of monitoring how it's being used. And, and if things aren't quite working or, or if, you know, validators are getting an unfair advantage or anything like that, try and adjust it and make it fit to the ecosystem. And it's going to be the same with this governance feature. I, I don't want to sort of over plan how to implement it really. I just want to put in the core features out there, see how they get used, see how the community picks them up and and see where it goes. Because like Sunny says, this is such a powerful feature. And it's there's nothing else like it out there from what I've seen. And when you actually start using it, you know, in anger and you start really granting lots of different permissions and using them in lots of different places, it, it's it's so powerful and it's and I love everything that Cosmos as, as an entire ecosystem is is doing. Um, so yeah, really, really excited to build it. Um, I see uh, Dan Dan B from Defiant Labs is uh, not sure if that's a question or if, or if you're uh, I forget that you're a grantee, but I I I'm glad that you're framing this as a well as an experiment uh, in in a way like we it's exciting, but it, it's true with any feature like this. If it is very powerful, we, we don't know. You know, it can't. Can, power can be abused and uh, so we have to kind of see how how it plays out for sure i think that's cautious uh even if it's cautious optimism or what have you but that caution makes sense um so yeah still it, i think well conversations about this have certainly come up in in the community uh i know i've gotten involved brainstorming and wondering like how much responsibility, you know, as running a validator, you know, to be plugged in to all the intricacies of governance and uh, what can be adjusted through governance. Like it can just be overwhelming. I, I imagine there's some over, there can be a lot of overlap, you know, of your technical ability to operate the node and run a, a great validator, but there could also be a lot of other, you know, I don't know, we have a whole representative democracy, uh, you know, in, in, in like the regular whatever poli political sphere that does this. Uh, hey, Tom, I had a quick question for you, if you don't mind. Please. Yeah. So can you explain to me like what the, you know how like a delegate right now can override a validator's vote? 
would that also apply to this like governor model? Would a delegate be able to override their governor or would they have to undelegate power first if they disagreed? Great question. So I think Tom accidentally stepped off, but uh, Adam, Adam back up. I've just added him back. Yeah, he's been added back on. You there, Tom? Oh, I can react again if you need. He's, uh, yeah, I think he's connecting. I'm, yeah, sorry, sorry, guys. Twist wrap. Oh, good. Crashed at exactly the worst time. I missed the end of what you were saying, Kevin. Oh, no, just uh, Dan. Well, Dan, could you, um, did you get Dan's question? I didn't. No, I missed that. Okay. Uh, Dan, yeah, I can yeah. ask again. Thanks. Yeah, I, I was basically asking about would a delegate be able to override their governor's vote like they can with their validator, or would they have to undo the auth C transaction? in this like envisioned solution it's a very good question so <clears throat> what it will be at the moment your validator carries out a vote and that's the vote that you get by default as a delegator in this case the governor is is voting on your behalf so it's it's technically a vote that your wallet has made and it's actually in a different wallet but it, it, it is technically a vote that you've made so in the same way that you can vote once and then you can go and vote again and change your vote you'd still be able to do that um, but the mechanism gets slightly weird because the governor could technically then go and vote again, and that would override your vote that you've made subsequently. So it might be that if you vote again, we need to kind of automate the process of disabling the grant for the governor. Um, and I suspect, you know, right now there's two specific types of grants. There's a staking grant that allows you to limit which validators you can delegate to. And there's a, a send grant that lets you limit how many tokens that you can send. But all the rest of the grant types are just generic grants and there's no other kind of limitations that you can put on them. I think what we'll see if this, if this you know, concept works is we'll see a much more advanced vote grant type being added in the future. That's what I'd like to see um, that would potentially allow you to do more advanced stuff like this. Um, but for the very first version, you can either just go vote for yourself and hope that that overrides the governor and they don't vote again, or you'd be able to disable the grant to the governor for a period of time and then re-enable it again um, after the vote if you really wanted to make sure that you were overriding it. So the short answer is yes, you can override it, but there are intricacies there that we might need to might need to play with. Got it. Thanks for explaining that. Well, this is... I feel like th this is definitely a whole another can of worms. I mean, uh, to see how this plays out and, you know, how people, I guess, rally around this feature and who um, wants to, you know, take on the role of a governor. I, I feel like we, we might have to come back, definitely have you have you all back and, and you know, revisit this topic as it um, becomes a living feature. Yeah, I'd, I'd love that. And I think there's going to be plenty of um, plenty of conversations that come up about how we we as an ecosystem want this to evolve. Um, and yeah, if anyone's interested, well, A, if anyone's interested in playing around more with AuthZ in general, go check out the Restake site and, uh, and have a look at the, some of the grant features that are there. Um, and B, if anyone's interested in potentially being a governor um, or has a better name for it than governors, I haven't quite decided on that yet. Um, but yeah, any ideas, any thoughts or, or whatever, just drop me a message and... Uh, yeah, reach out anywhere. I'm on Twitter and Discord and things like that. I feel like if we spell governor uh, G-U-V, um, then it, it might, <laughs> might take some of the formality out of it. Very British. I like that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, yeah, everyone. This, 
yeah, thanks everyone for, for coming aboard. And we'll, I guess we'll, we'll, there are many more uh, grant recipients that we'll, we'll revisit in a future show. And mm-hmm. Sweet. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Uh, Till next time, have a great rest of your uh, day. Cheers. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Osmosis Updates from the Lab, recorded on Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay. Checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows. But then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, mother. Motherfucker, step the fuck back Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack Not everybody's always in it for the money Looking like another crooked Sunday and I'm working Monday So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods Amazed to play Inception, the base stay blessed See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties These sums of money that go to the record label per playback Can seem insultingly small Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent Each time someone listens to one of their tracks Leaving only some portion of that for the actual artist. Can't even say they're making pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies per play. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We did. Didn't have any loose ends You know what I miss? Listening to excuses Now we're on the fence Like we forgot how to choose That's what happens When people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom Just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth Like a rabid dog Like a fake mate and call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit Trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through When I'm making my music